0: Greetings Trinity Church London, Daniel here. I hope you're doing really well. Um, if you're if you're linking in and you're not part of the church but you're just having a look, uh, you're really welcome. So glad you're here. Um, I trust you're doing well in this lockdown time. Before I just take some time to unpack the scriptures for a few minutes, I wanna to speak to uh, you as a community, to us as a community. Um, it's become clear over the last few weeks that we are all experiencing quite a different lockdown. And for some of us, Um, we're experiencing boredom, for some of us we're experiencing like stress, we're overwhelmed, we've got kids, some of us we've got more work on than usual, some of us got less work on than usual. Um, I just basically wanna start by acknowledging the fact that this is a, a really varied experience for us and the initial kind of wave of adrenaline and that kind of initial wave of all that's going on and some of the stress some of the kind of stuff that's going on and just processing the coronavirus will be dying down right now and i've just become more aware that there are more and more of us who are actually struggling in the midst of this however our experience is right now and uh, really i just want to say that you're not alone if you feel like that If you're feeling low, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling kind of overwhelmed and you're not even sure why because It's not like there's lots going on in your life, but you just have this deep sense of being overwhelmed or submerged and you're not quite sure why. I think that is a growing experience for many people right now, you're not alone. Let me just encourage you to reach out to your community group leader, to reach out to a friend, share that with someone, pray with someone. Um, We are gonna make it through this, but we are gonna need each other as community in this time. Um, and bless you in the middle of it before we just get to teaching the scriptures for a second i want to pray for us so wherever you are um whatever you're doing right now I just want to just stop for one moment and let's pray ask for the lord's help that we would live for him and for his glory amen let's pray father i want to say thank you that you are a good father to us that you are kind that you are good even in times like this. And and I do pray that what I'm gonna teach right now, Lord, would be helpful for everyone listening, Lord, that the scriptures would um, do the work that they are set to accomplish to do, Lord, that your word would be powerful and effective, that you would change perspectives and that you would reorientate lives, Lord God, as we look at this subject particularly to make kingdom-minded disciples, you would help us, I pray, that we might live lives that display your glory. And I pray this for your name, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. So if I've got one text this morning that I wanna teach from, it's almost really a phrase, and it's from Matthew 6, verse 33, and it's this. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of god if you want to write down anything today seek first the kingdom of god our vision as a church is to see the glory of god known across london and the nations it's a big vast Vision submerged in the Old Testament in Habakkuk 2 14 in a moment of time where the Israelites were in a very uncertain, very fragile age, similar to ours, where there was a lot of darkness and pessimism about the nation and about the state of the future for the nation. There was Habakkuk who prophesied this that one day the glory of the Lord will fill the earth, not just Israel, but fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. That is every nook and cranny of the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the goodness and the beauty and the power and the presence of God himself, which is really good news. And our vision as a church is shaped by this vision of the future. We all have visions. We all have dreams about what we desire our careers to be, our personal futures to be And for us as a church. We have a preferred future. And for us, we're not actually just trying to make this up. We're not trying to generate something that will excite people and interest people and get them involved in what we're about. We're simply receiving a vision, receiving what God has said about the future of the world. And we are living with that vision set before us. And it's this beautiful vision where the beauty and the power and the presence of God the glory of all that he is in his perfections will be fully known across every square inch of the earth. And this is what we're living with. And this is not just an ethereal vision. It actually has legs and feet, if you will, it has hands, it has, it's tangible. And it really boils down to three things. To see the glory of God known across the face of the earth, it's gonna mean more and more people who know and trust in and glory in the glory of God. People who enjoy and worship the glory, the beauty of God himself. We might just call them Christians. Sometimes that's too loaded uh, in a word in our culture today, but it's just people who love God for who he is and what he's done for us. And secondly, the glory of god is to be found in community a community that displays not sociological factors but the wisdom of god where men and women from different tribes and languages come together from different backgrounds and they one community display something that can't be explained sociologically but only can be explained by the wisdom and the work of god And thirdly the glory of God is going to be known in the future by cities just like London reflecting the nature of God just imagine for a moment London at the moment a city that is known for selfish ambition for a lot of work and energy that goes into career progression we're recalibrating at the moment so we realize actually as a city we have oftentimes put career over family and primary relationships just imagine for a moment a city not known for those things but known as a city where you will be loved, a city of generosity, a city of sacrificial love for one another. Imagine a city not marked by pollution, but by beauty. A city marked by pure motives, where people are genuinely out for other people's good, where people want others to flourish. Just imagine that kind of city in Revelation, we're told that the city of God that is going to be in existence one day has the glory of God. This will be our life one day, we're told in the future. And so if this is our vision, what we want to do as a community is orientate ourselves around this North Star, if you will, and say this is where we're going. This is where we're set. And we want to live as though we are going to see that into being right now. And that's very simply called our mission. These three things to have more Christians, to have a community that displays the wisdom of God and to have a city that reflects the nature of God. These things really could be summed up in one phrase, the kingdom of God. Matthew calls this the kingdom of heaven. And so our mission is to make kingdom minded disciples of Jesus Christ. People who will pursue this kingdom, people who will have a captured with a vision of this future world and will live right now to see that kingdom brought into place. And so what I want to do today is really just two things. Ask the question, what is this kingdom and what, what what are disciples who live for this kingdom? What are they marked by? And I'll just give five things. So firstly, what is this kingdom of God? Some some negatives before some positives. The first thing to say is this, this is not a political kingdom we are talking about. The early disciples got this really wrong because when Jesus came along, they were living with the oppression of the Roman Empire. And they thought when Jesus came, there was expectation of a, a, a messiah to come. They thought Jesus was coming to overthrow the Romans and to establish a new political kingdom. And so they were vying and fighting for political positions in Jesus' kingdom. They were they were thinking they were going to get cabinet positions. And Jesus kept fighting this presupposition about the kingdom of God when he was feeding the disciples. And he was doing these miracles by taking kind of lunches uh, for, for a family and then feeding thousands. The masses around them were trying to make Jesus king. they were trying to make him a political king, one who would overthrow the Roman Empire. And Jesus continually steps back from that because he came not to establish a political kingdom but a spiritual kingdom of men and women from diverse cultures across the world. So we are not fighting a political system to establish a new political system, it's very different. The second negative, this, it's actually not just purely a spiritual kingdom either. So on the one hand, it's not a political kingdom, but it's not just a spiritual kingdom either. It's it's not just something that is touchy feely out there somewhere that you can't quite touch your, Or come into contact with this is a kingdom that can be touched and seen Jesus came and said behold the kingdom of God is at hand why because he had come in the flesh so you could meet Jesus you could meet people who lived in the kingdom of God you could talk to them about what this kingdom of God was it was actually something you could come into contact with that's the second thing and third thing is to say this that the kingdom of God is not just a future kingdom either Because in Mark 1, when Jesus comes and he says, The kingdom of God is at hand, what he is saying is that the kingdom is actually here. It's near, he's saying. Why? Because I have come. The kingdom is actually already in existence in seed form because I'm here. So he wasn't calling people to say, Hey, look, come to me, and one day the kingdom of God is going to come and it's all going to be okay. He came and said, It's already coming. Will you join this new nation? And so part of the Lord's prayer, we pray this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. We're asking for some of the kingdom to be coming right now here on earth. So it is already being established, working amongst us and we see signs of it around us. Jesus spoke about a parable in Matthew 13, where he said that the the, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. In a sense, even today, it's so small, you can hardly see it or sense it. There are times when you might just pick up a sign of the kingdom, but he says that this kingdom is gonna grow and grow and grow until one day it's gonna be a mighty tree where all the birds of the field are gonna come and take shelter in the shadow of this great tree that will bring life to nations it's small but it's growing it's with us already for us the kingdom of god is it can be a difficult thing for us in the west because we we have no real actual experience of kingdom living in 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 this life in a political realm We're, we're we're caught up in democracy and many of us we kind of stay clear of what it would be to to have a a king or a monarch or a queen who would reign with supreme power over us because we think ultimate power would corrupt. But just imagine this for a moment. Imagine if there were a king who was utterly devoted to his people, who was wealthy beyond compare and used all of his resources to serve his people, his subjects, so that they might flourish in their lives. Imagine a king who was wise beyond all measure and who knew how societies and cultures should operate, how people flourish and get along together and could implement that in systems and in culture. Imagine if there were a king like that who was pure to the core, who if you unpacked their life in the past, there was nothing in their, in their cupboard, no skeletons that could be found and say, aha, we really know who this king is like now. Utterly pure, imagine a king like that. Imagine a king who knew what it was like to live as a subject in the kingdom. Imagine a king who would have left his palace and lived amongst his people so that he actually knew what it was like. He knew pain, he knew suffering, he knew disadvantage. Imagine a king who would walk and live willingly with his people and say, I will forgo my riches so that you might receive all the benefits of my kingdom and you might flourish in your life. For us in the kingdom of God, that is the kind of king that we have in King Jesus. We have a king who is beautiful and powerful and kind and generous and gives everything to us for our flourishing. He's a good king. And we also have a people Secondly, a a nation that's gathering, not a political nation, not with uh, national borders around it. This is a nation that comes from all sorts of cultures and languages and ethnicities. Even for us as a church plant starting out, we're already tasting something of of the diversity of the kingdom of God, a nation gathering to one king, King Jesus. And thirdly, we're told that the kingdom of God has a land and this, this is something we've got to get our heads around. And we're not talking about one nation in particular, but we are talking about the earth. Let me just read Matthew in the, the, the uh, Matthew five, where Jesus just unpacks this. These are these are crazy verses. If you're a Christian wants to contemplate, it says this in verse three of chapter five. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he says this in verse five, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So the kingdom of God does have land, but it's not just one nation trying to gain supremacy over another nation. This is humble Christians who right now might look like they are lowly ones on the earth. They are actually walking on land that will one day be given to them as their inheritance. So I walk around London. And I am a minnow in a very large ocean right now. And yet, as a Christian, as a subject of the king, as one who lives in the kingdom of God, London is actually part of my inheritance. This land belongs to me. As a Christian, this land belongs to us. This is the land in which we are gonna dwell in, like the Old Testament land full of milk and honey. For us, I don't know what that's gonna be, like really nice, coffee and spaghetti and wine. I don't know, that's my imagination of, but we we don't know, it's it's gonna be good living in this land. And this doesn't mean that we have to fight for it. In fact, rather we suffer to love those around us because it's gonna be given to us. It's gonna come down from on high. This is the kingdom of God that we're in, one who have a generous, beautiful, powerful king who serves us with a nation around us that's gathering to this king from all the backgrounds, all the tribes of the earth with a land, which is the earth. And the kingdom of God is being established. And we want to seek first this kingdom. It means always being mindful of whatever is happening, whether good or bad in life. How does this serve the kingdom? How does this bring the kingdom now? How does this bring this culture of generosity and, and the, the culture of the king? What would the king want for us in this moment? How can we serve and pour out our life for those around us? And what I want to do as we close out is just give five quick marks of men and women who live as part of this kingdom. What would it look like for us as Trinity Church London to live as part of this kingdom? Five things, here we go. Firstly, it's gonna mean this, it's gonna mean having a passion for the church of God. So let me be clear. The church of God is not the entirety of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is bigger than the church of God. But that's not to say that the church is in any way less lesser in its importance compared to the kingdom of God. The church of God has the primary role in extending the kingdom of God. You've got to think of it a bit like this. Just down the road across the river from here is Nine Elms and uh, the uh, United States of America's embassy, the new one, which Donald Trump doesn't really like apparently. But it's, it's incredible. You drive past, this thing is amazing. These huge uh, flags outside flying the United States of America. It looks incredible, dominating, imperial. And as you drive past, you're aware that if you were to step into that building, You would be stepping off ground of the United Kingdom and you would be stepping into ground that is owned by the United States of America. America right now is thousands of miles away and yet you can cross the border into that building and you are in an embassy of that faraway land. And so when you go into the embassy, I've never been, but I would imagine you come across American culture. You meet Americans, you hear American accents, you, you come across American attitudes, you come across American culture, the way things are done will be American, everything will be American around you. The vibe will be just as though you were in Washington or Seattle or Florida, whatever it might be, somewhere in America. There is this embassy, though, in a far off foreign land here in London. And the church of God is very similar to that. We are an embassy of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God in the spiritual realm in the heavenlies right now is in a faraway land. And we are living in a foreign land. And yet we are in an embassy so that when people come into our community and they get to know us, what they are coming into is the, a, a, an embassy in a foreign land of the kingdom of God. And what do they find? They find the culture of the kingdom. They find men and women, Christians who are part of this kingdom of God. They find people who do things in the way of the kingdom. They experience what living in the kingdom of God will look like. And if we're gonna see the kingdom of God advance, we are gonna be passionate about the local church, establishing communities that are embassies of the community of God that will reflect what it looks like for the world to be subject to this wonderful king. That's the first thing. We're gonna have a passion for the local church. Secondly, we're gonna have a passion for London. Because the kingdom of God is bigger than just the church. We're told in Acts 17 that the Lord actually he determines where we live. So we might feel like we're here because of our job. We're here because we were born here. We're here because of university or studying, whatever it might be. But actually, ultimately, we're told we're here because the Lord has established us here and we are called to love and serve this city and seek its welfare. And so for us to see the kingdom come it's going to mean going outside of the walls of our community and seeking the welfare of this city so that we can see signs of the kingdom outbreaking wherever we may be it might be praying for healing for somebody physical healing it might be standing in the gap if someone gets sick a friend, a family member, a colleague who comes down with coronavirus saying, I'm gonna seek the kingdom, I'm gonna pray for their healing because that is the Lord's will. It's asking for financial blessing over this city because we are part of the kingdom and part of the prosperity of the city means well-being for the city, means provision for this city. So we are passionate about the city that we are called to. Thirdly, it means this, submitting to Jesus as our king, And not our culture. Tom Holland um, has written a a recent book called Dominion in which he argues for this, that we in the West are actually experiencing the fruits of Christian culture. And even for those who are secular or unbelieving or agnostic or atheist or just not sure, believing another faith, actually in the West, he argues that we are experiencing the fruits of Christian culture, if you will, the kingdom of God in how we think about the world, how we think about human dignity, how we think about ethics, how, how our, our democracy is even run. All of this is some of the fruits of a Christian heritage. And yet what we are often trying to do now in, in, t- in today's culture is we are trying to take the fruits of this without actually accepting the king who has established some of these fruitful ways of living. Oz Guinness, who's a Christian, he writes. He says it like this: We are, in a sense, a cut flower culture, where we're taking the flower, the beauty of what has been established um, in bringing a stable society, and yet we're cutting off the root. And the root is actually Jesus, who was the one who brought all of this into place in the first place. And what happens if you cut a flower? Obviously, it will eventually wither and die. And what we're experiencing now is we're trying to take some of the fruits of a Christian upbringing and a Christian heritage without the king himself who established this. And as Christians, what we do is we come back to Jesus and we bow our knee to him and we submit our hearts to him and we say, Jesus, you are our Lord. We will submit to you and not to the culture around us. This is what it means to live as part of the kingdom. So Psalm 103 says this, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all so there is a throne in heaven and from this throne jesus rules and we as his subjects come and we say your will be done not our will that is what it means to be living in the kingdom so we're not after our own will we're not after our own ambition we're after the will of king jesus trusting that wherever the will of jesus is done our lives and those around us will flourish that's the third thing fourthly To live as part of the kingdom of God is this, to speak the good news. When Jesus came, we're told this, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Gospel is just the good news of God. There was good news to tell London and the world and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent. And believe in the gospel so Jesus says the kingdom is coming repent turn your lives around be subject to this new king that's coming and believe the good news and the good news is this is that there is a king who is willing to accept uh, subjects who were in rebellion he is willing to put all arms down all amnesty down all enmity down he's gonna say you can come back into the kingdom now I will forgive all sin come and know the goodness of God again and so we invite others back into this kingdom we tell them of the good news of a king who forgives and willingly accepts all however bad we think we are so when the disciples were with Jesus after his resurrection they were asking. They were still asking. They still hadn't. The penny hadn't dropped for them yet. They were still asking when the political kingdom was actually going to be established. It was t- took them a long time to change their minds and their, their understanding as to what Jesus meant as to the kingdom of God. And Jesus says this. Um, the, the, sorry, the disciples asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, even here in West London, where I live for us as a community right now in London, even to us, there's going to be good news that's going to be sent forth. But how did all of that happen? It wasn't by us waiting for some promotion in a kingdom. It was by us being equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and tell others that there is good news, that the king is receiving people to him freely, By grace alone, there is nothing you have to do. You can literally walk into his gates right now, walk into the doors of his palace, walk right into his inner chambers and come and meet him and be with him and talk with him. You can actually be friends with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and it costs you nothing. And he's going to give you everything. This is the good news. And so we get to tell people about this Jesus fourthly and fifthly and finally. To live as, as part of this kingdom, it means to live as light in a sometimes dark world. Jesus says in, in our first initial reading in Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God. And he says, and his righteousness and his righteousness here doesn't just mean this, uh, the legal declaration that we are now made right with our king. You can mean that. But in the context, when you read the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus talks about righteousness in other places, it's clear that in this moment, in this sermon, when Jesus talks about righteousness, he wasn't talking about legal righteousness given to us, but actually a practical righteousness that had an outworking. So he says to uh, about the Pharisees in chapter five, verse two, I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. So that he's talking about a practical way of living that is even better than the Pharisees of the time. He says this in, in five, verse 11. So five, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So he says, if you want to live a a, a righteous life, it's going to be seen and you'll be persecuted sometimes for it, but you will be blessed. There's a sense in which this righteousness has an outworking. It will be noticed by other people. It will have a polarizing effect. Some will be drawn to your kindness, to your generosity, to your sacrifice. Others, though, will be will be put off by it. But he says it does look like something that we have to live into. Karl Barth said this one of my favorite uh, quotes about the church says the church exists to set up in the world a new sign which is radically dissimilar to the world's own manner and which contradicts it in a way that is full of promise. So our life is to look like a a life that's full of light and in an age that can be sometimes dark in a way that holds out promise. It's contradictory, but it's hopeful. It says you can be part of this new way of being. It's the culture of the kingdom of heaven. It's going to be radically different. And as a community, um, in two weeks time, we're going to uh, start a new series simply called Light what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And we're going to be outlining five cultural markers of living in the kingdom of God. And we want to lean into this as a community. It's going to look like living with a culture of authenticity. It's going to look like living with a culture of courage. It's going to be meaning living with a culture of generosity, living with a culture of honor, living with a culture of being whole hearted. We want to be authentic. We want to be courageous. We want to be generous. We want to honor everyone around us. We want to be wholehearted with everything we do. We're going to be unpacking what this looks like. It's going to mean practical holiness that gets noticed. That is enjoyable to be around and to be a part of. It's going to be a culture that is going to be attractive. When people come amongst us, there'll be a sense in which this is very different to the culture of London at large. What is this kind of world that you are living in? where this can be true. So this is what we're gonna be looking at. So five things, lastly, just to sum up, what does it look like to be part of the kingdom, to be a kingdom-minded disciple? It means firstly, passionate for the local church. Secondly, passionate for our city. Thirdly, submitting to Jesus Christ as our king, the king of our kingdom. Fourthly, it means speaking the good news. And fifthly, it means living as light in a sometimes dark world i'm really excited about this next season many things are going to change for us i mean we are already who expected this and for the future of the church lots of things are always going to be changing our venues are going to change websites are gonna change, some of the people will change, um, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna grow old, all, all sorts of things. We don't know what's gonna happen with like lockdown, no lockdown, future, jobs are gonna change, lots of things are gonna change, but some things are gonna remain the same. A vision to see the glory of God known across London and the nations, a mission to make kingdom-minded disciples in this age. These things remain the same and we're gonna pursue them with all of our hearts. Thank you so much for listening. Bless you, church.